Hello San Pedro Podcast, episode 35. You are listening to the Hello San Pedro Podcast. I'm Amanda, your host. Join me as I talk to amazing people within our community, business owners, community activists, local leaders, and people like you and me who love San Pedro. This is a place where we'll share big ideas, discuss hot topics, and spread good vibes. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hello St. Pedro podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Silva. So it is technically still the month of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I really wanted to make sure, as you guys know, if you've been listening to podcasts, I really wanted to make sure that I did emphasize um, this issue. I really wanted to highlight it because I think it is important. I don't think I'll make a big deal out of every Awareness Week or Awareness Month, but this is one of those issues that I think that society completely overlooks as an issue, um, you know, in I, I, I think that a lot of the problems that we face as a society stem from individual issues that we have with our own mental health, you know, and this includes anything from being depressed and burnt out, um, emotionally abused or, you know, having tra- childhood trauma, um, and all of these things really affect us in our life. They affect our mental health. And it's one of the reasons also that I wanted to talk about the issue that we're talking about today. That issue is homelessness. I've invited um, a previous guest to come give us an update on the status of homelessness in our community, San Pedro, and also an update with um, the shelter that we are to expect. It's coming, it's happening, and um, it's not going to be long before we finally see some people off the streets and into this bridge home that's coming to town. Um, I I asked Amber Shake Ginsburg um, to come back on the podcast. She was amazing. She was an amazing guest to inform us on this issue the first time that she was on. And I highly recommend that if you haven't listened to the episode that I did with her back in November, then I highly recommend that you go back and listen to it. It is episode nine. Um, I think it was like the Thanksgiving Day issue. <laughs> I mean, episode. Um, it was, yeah, it was incredibly informative. And for me personally, I was really able to see things from kind of a new perspective. She opened my eyes to a lot of harsh realities that our our, our neighbors who are without homes, our homeless neighbors um, face every single day. And we do talk a lot about um, in in that particular episode, I do highlight some of the um, divisiveness that the issue has caused within the community. I feel like the divisiveness has settled down a little bit. At the time, there was actual protest against this bridge home that was coming. Um, but since it has been decided, since it is coming and we're not stopping it at this point, um, you know, the divisiveness has settled down a little bit, at least, you know, on the streets <laughs> and it's not as visible. Um, I know that there are some Facebook groups and, you know, one in particular that I have in mind and many of you who are on Facebook in the community know exactly which Facebook group I'm talking about, but there are a lot of, um, I want to say misinformation, a lot of lies, a lot of hate and just negativity. I mean, just 
pure, um, pure negativity, um, kind of spewing out on Facebook in, in certain areas. Um, so you'll still find these kind of things happening. And, um, part of the reason why I wanted to address this issue is because I do want to call out the bad behavior that I see displayed in parts of the community. Um, one of the things I think we can do, and I feel like I understand we may not all agree on this, but let's just eliminate terms that kind of dehumanize people. Um, I feel like some terms like low life, vagrant, um, you know, referring to homeless people as bums or hobos or druggies, um, all of these terms are really used loosely and um, very honestly, they're dehumanizing. And it's really easy for us to, you know, kind of look away or shun away or treat somebody bad, badly and judge them harshly when we see them as one of these things. So if I could just ask people within our community just to stop that one thing, and that is using these labels to refer to um, somebody experiencing homelessness, let's just stop. You know, let's when it comes to somebody who is perhaps facing these kinds of hardships, um, let's just go back to the old, um, you know, our mom's favorite tip, which is if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And I know that I know that might sound oversimplistic, but I think we need a little bit more of that kindness. I think we need to hold our tongue a little bit when it comes to the harsh um, critiques of other human beings. Um, And I think we need a little bit more empathy. Okay. Anyways, enough of my soapbox. Um, What I really wanted to do actually, before we get into the episode, sorry that this is going to be a little bit longer of an episode, but I really wanted to highlight something very cool that happened um, just yesterday in, um, in our community. So at um, the United Methodist church, uh, which is on sixth street, in Grand Avenue in downtown San Pedro. Um, they actually hosted a, let's see here, an estimated 100 homeless people received showers, haircuts, food, clothing, referrals to housing, and other services at, um, yeah, at our, at the San Pedro church Wednesday, yesterday. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm kind of quoting from a Daily Breeze article, and I just really wanted to highlight this really awesome um, event that happened yesterday. So I've actually heard about the pastor of this church. Um, I believe her name is uh, Lisa Williams, Reverend Lisa Williams. Um, I heard she's doing amazing things, but what an amazing example she's setting for um, our religious communities in the area. I would love to see more um, religious institutions follow her example. I would really love to see that. Thank you so much, Lisa Williams, um, for all the work that you're doing in this community and for the people who who really need your help. Um, All right. So my guest today is Amber Shake Ginsburg. She's been on the podcast before. She's here to give us an update on uh, the homelessness within our community. And she's here to tell us about what we can expect from the new shelter. We talk about... um, Um, We talk about a lot of issues surrounding homelessness, and this was just one of, it's just a really awesome conversation that I had with her. I hope that you guys enjoy it. Um, I'm not going to do the full extent of her (laughs) introduction, um, but you can hear it on episode nine. What I will tell you is that... um, 
Amber is an LA-based nonprofit consultant. Um, she has lived in the San Pedro area for about a decade, and her experience entails everything from working in homeless services, education, and also with social justice organizations. She is currently the vice chair of the Coastal San Pedro Neighborhood Council Homelessness Committee, and she coordinates a working group on homelessness. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. She has just blessed us with all of the knowledge that she has and all of the experience and insight that she has. Please enjoy, and I hope you guys get something from it. All right, you good? I'm good. Cool. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Hello St. Peter podcast. Uh, today, I have a repeat guest, Amber Shea Ginsburg, and we're here to get an update and talk a lot about our current yeah. situation regarding homelessness. Amber, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me back. And we're in a really beautiful uh, space. Yes, we are. Um, which I'm loving. Yes, so. we're here at Crypto Space. I've, like, I talk about it on the podcast. This is my new like recording home. and But we're in the vault, yeah, essentially. we are. It is like <laughs> a private recording space. So you might actually hear, listeners, that this is like better sound acoustics. Yeah. I think this might be my go-to recording space. Yeah, it's like the quietest space in San Pedro. Yeah, and it kind of makes up for our last episode. I was going to say. We were in like the mezzanine at yes. Sirens, which is beautiful. By the way, somebody who I spoke to recently recognized their laugh in the background oh, when really? they listened to it. And I just thought that was the funniest thing ever. That is so funny. Yeah, that was unexpected. Um, well, thank you for coming back. I have a thousand questions for you, but they're, of course, they're yeah. just going to like pop off at any we'll moment. We'll go. Um, well, first of all, let me just bring up this this situation that mm -hmm. I, I came across. Um, I was dropping my son off on Friday at my, my parents' home, and um, they're in Rancho Palos Verdes, right above Western, um, pretty close above Western, and I, I saw a woman kind of cross my path. She looked very young. She was wearing sweatpants and a gray hoodie, from what I can see. I saw a little bit of, like, her back, and when I walked to my car, I smiled and said, good morning. She smiled back and said, good morning. And as I got in my car and she walked past me, I realized she didn't have any shoes on. Mm -hmm. I noticed that there were some marks on her back. I realized she looked a little disheveled a little bit, mm -hmm. perhaps like she hadn't bathed in a while or that she had just come out of a situation. Mm -hmm. And it was weird because she walked past my parents' home, but like in like mid walk, she kind of turned around and walked back the mm -hmm. other way. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what to do. I kind of was sitting in my van like, what's going on she looks very young she was very kind to me I just went around the cul-de-sac I turned around or I kind of like pulled up next to her and I just asked her if she was okay yeah. that was like my first thing because I know what's out there I know the threats that are out there to women especially young women yes so I just pulled over asked if she was okay she said that she didn't understand um English she didn't speak English so I asked her in Spanish if she was okay and I don't really speak Spanish very well, but I was able to kind of communicate with her. Um, but I couldn't get that much detail because, again, I'm limited. You know, we have yeah. this communication yeah. issue. She said something about needing to get to Alameda Street, and then she said that, like, this happens to her all the time. Mm. And I literally offered her, like, the sandals in like off my feet because she said she wore a size nine. I asked her what size she wore. She <laughs> yeah. wore a size nine. I'm a couple sizes smaller, but I figured, you know, the sandals, sandals would could work. work. Yeah. I had flats in my car. Yeah. No big deal. 
And um, she refused them. Um, she was very polite the whole time, but she she really kind of like was adamant about not needing help. Yeah. And so finally I had to just respect that and I drove yeah, away. Yeah. But I was thinking about it all day. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what to do. I, I kind of didn't feel like pushing it because even if I did, I didn't know what to do with right. it. Right, you're like, what, what, yeah, you know, once if, I get you to talk to me, I don't know what to do from exactly. there. Yeah, like, no, that makes sense. Is it enough to just get her in the car and yeah. treat her to breakfast? I, w- I wouldn't and, necessarily do that, no, yeah. but... Um, That's the thing. It's like, yeah. What do we do in these situations? Well, I feel like as over the past, you know, five, ten years, as our neighbors experiencing homelessness have grown out of Skid Row. Like, I mean, not to say that they're all from Skid Row, but the situation has grown out of where they were condensed to certain areas of the city. Mm-hmm. And now every we see it everywhere. Yeah. It affects every single neighborhood in this city. Yeah. And so your story of running across someone is not, unfortunately, not unique anymore. Yeah. I mean, I hear this tons of times a week. Someone tells me, Amber, I, I saw someone in my neighborhood and I, and there are things, yes, we can do, but I think more than anything else, just reflecting on, yeah, we all see someone in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And what you did in a lot of ways is unique because you spoke with her, mm-hmm. you looked at her, you asked her how she was, and you treated her like a person. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say that, that is not common or well, as common as we think. Can I just say, though, that our first episode together, yeah really helped me see things a lot differently you know and it helped it, it kind of changed my perspective from being this like observer right to being like okay wait I'm a human they're a human mm-hmm. we have human issues human problems and yes the interaction is the thing that's missing from society yes. and I think that's causing a lot of this you know but you know hadn't we have we not talked I probably wouldn't have been so like forward and you know because it's not the first time I told you about yes the, about the, the yeah, kid at the, the uh, gas station Kaisen yeah and I've seen him actually a second time oh funny since yeah. then and yeah. it's been it was cool because we were able to connect again I remembered his name yeah. I bought him um a meal at McDonald's and um it was it was great but I want to say that it really did take that mental like shift, shift yeah. to be like go from observer to like, no, we're all human beings in yeah. this life and we're not all on the same path, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, at the most basic level, mm-hmm. there's lots of things we can talk about to make systemic change or to make sure our neighborhoods are doing the right thing or yeah. that we're saying yes to the right things and no to the wrong things or whatever it is, but mm-hmm. but truly at the heart of the manner, matter is we're treating everyone like humans mm-hmm. and we're coming from that framework so that we're making decisions based on that level of humanity as well. And I think that sometimes is what's missing Mm -hmm. from our conversations around this issue. Mm -hmm. Um, It's looked, you know, folks experiencing homelessness are looked at as as an other, as an outsider, um, are approached with fear Mm -hmm. or with contempt Mm -hmm. or with just something that we don't want. Mm And I think it also, homelessness, homelessness brings up our vulnerability as humans on such a really visceral level yeah and how we deal with vulnerability is very different as people some of us Mm -hmm. embrace it some of us have have had life experiences where we say like this is something i'm okay with Mm -hmm. and some of us reject it and it's too much and so i think that's in a lot of ways that's a very like deep psychological um answer for you but I think it's also a really good place to ground yourself in when talking about these issues that Mm -hmm. we're talking about humans and we are humans. And if we can connect at that base level, 
all of our information and conversations around this are elevated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Um, one of the things that I, it, well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you back is because, you know, we are having um, a bridge home mm -hmm. brought to our community. It's happening, kids. It's happening. <laughs> um, because when we recorded last time, I think it was like still unofficial. Yeah. I mean, right? I always thought it was happening. Don't get me wrong. Right. Because that's how I drive. But yeah. yeah. Um, it's official. I mean, it's is a it's a pretty official. So to give you like kind of a moment down in the weeds where we are with it. Um, so for those that don't know, uh, Buscano, our councilman, has chosen three bridge home sites in his council district, which he's the only um, member of city council who has done that. Most people have chosen one or some have not chosen any thus far. Wow, but yeah. knowing the issues in our community as well as how our community works and how mm -hmm. folks who are experiencing homelessness do not necessarily want to be moved uh, great distances, especially when over 70% of our homeless are from here. Can we just um, repeat that for yeah. a second? Yeah. Seventy percent of our homeless are from here. Are from here. Yeah. They're from our community. They're from our community. Yeah. They have ties here. They have family here. They they work here. Yeah. A lot of our homeless work. Um, I've seen they, I've seen people on the street that I've actually known. You know yes, that I grew yes. up with that I went to school with, and. Um, and that, of course, went into other situations as well. But, you know, yeah, it's, well, it's one of the that women I that I work closely with who lives um, in one of our encampments, not in San Pedro, but within the council district, chooses not to live in San Pedro because she went to San Pedro High. Mm -hmm. And she's my age and mm -hmm. she does not want she, uh, she does not want to be homeless in her hometown. Yeah. So she has chosen to be homeless in a neighboring literally a mile and a half away. Yeah. But um, makes a difference, I'm sure. For some reason it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, what needs to happen next is, I'm sure by the time this episode hits, uh, Caltrans will have made a decision. They're going to vote on Wednesday, mm -hmm. or there's a hearing. Um, and then from there, we will go to a city council vote for that last step, which is just for the, the budget mm -hmm. for the San Pedro site. And that will likely happen either before recess happens in July for city council or right after they get back. Mm -hmm. And so in the next several months, that will, that will happen. Yeah, well, okay, where are the other two bridge um, bridge shelters? Yeah, in the council district, we're looking at Watts, which mm -hmm. um, I think we've already broken ground on. Okay, yeah. Um, I've seen I've That's seen been voted, that. yeah. Um, and then in Wilmington, and the Wilmington site is in a similar timeline, I guess mm -hmm. you could say, as the San Pedro site. Mm -hmm. um, so both of those sites, they were hoping originally to have them come online and doors open before the rainy season, so by the end of the year. and. That may or may not happen. It's it's right kind of on the fence of whether or not it's mm -hmm. going to happen around there. But one of the things you know I really want folks to also focus on as we open these is that's not an end game. Mm -hmm. I mean that that is in no way solving anything other than getting people off the streets for a certain amount of time and getting them stabilized. There is a whole slew of solutions that are part of the pipeline for next steps that we need to make sure that we are saying yes to as well for all of this to work. So the, the bridge shelters are really just a place to put people yeah. so that they're not on the sleep, I mean on, on the street, street yeah. sleeping. Yeah. Um, I, I saw a statistic that more people die on the street in Los Angeles than they do in New York. Well, this makes sense because um, even though New York, I think this is 2018 stats or 2017, last count, um, New York had more homeless individuals than Los Angeles. 
I want to say, and we may have to put that data point up, only 4% of their homeless sleep on the street, mm -hmm. whereas ours, it's Most much, much homeless. higher. Yeah. So um, even though we do not live in a climate that is typically extreme, we have hundreds of people that die of you know, complications from exposure or other yeah. things that live on the street every year, yeah. Well, I mean, like, as soon as the weather changes, like, we all kind of, like, go through either allergies or we, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people got sick and had a cold. Yeah. It's like, we get the flu season, we get the cold season. Imagine being in, you know, getting the same illnesses, mm -hmm. but not having a home and oh, not yeah. having any resources to take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, and then being forced into the environment that has made you ill, you Yes. Know? So I, I imagine that that, yeah, a lot of people are dying on the street in Los Angeles because they have n nothing else to go to. Right. I mean, we had a rainy season, which was tremendous for this super bloom. Mm -hmm. But I know myself and many other homeless advocates I talked to on some of the rainiest nights of this last winter, we couldn't help but wake up in the middle of the night and be so thankful that we were in our beds. Mm -hmm. And we knew that so many of the folks we work with are out in tents um, and they're wet. Yeah. And that continues for days on end. And mm -hmm. another woman that I work with, um, she, you know, after the rainy season, had a cold that persisted and finally had to be taken to the ER for pneumonia. Mm -hmm. Just because, and she just wasn't getting better. Right. We gave her all the NyQuil and DayQuil I could. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I saw a recent post that there was, that um, you had posted, it was like an article, I didn't get a chance to read it, but it was, I think from a doctor's perspective, yeah. she had received a patient that was homeless, but her hands were tied, she couldn't actually treat her. Yeah, so one of the reasons I posted that article is because I'm a huge proponent of bringing services to where people are. Mm -hmm. So uh, one facet of that is street medicine mm -hmm. and street psychiatry. So what is street um, medicine? So it's essentially doctors and psychiatrists going to where people, like going into the encampments yeah. and meeting people there and, and doing checkups and taking their blood pressure and checking yeah. on them and, and creating those relationships. Mm -hmm. Because for so many of our individuals that are, that are homeless right now, we also don't realize, you know, I think the frustration is like, if a winter shelter is open, they should just go to a winter shelter. And, and people don't take the time to realize, well, if you go to a winter shelter, you can only bring one bag, which means whatever you leave behind will get stolen or like everything, or tossed or, everything yeah. that you have, that you feel like is your belonging will go. Mm -hmm. And you have that one night of sleep guaranteed and then you have to do it all again the other night. So a lot of people, there's not a lot of trust for you know going indoors, but uh, on the medical side as well, a tremendous amount of the folks that are still on the streets as well have gone through a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. And this, I mean, trauma can be used in so many ways, childhood trauma, and we talked about that in the last episode is, you know, I think that's where a lot of people end up, um, you know, with more advanced chronic illness, mental illness, substance abuse issues, but trauma even from institutions themselves. They've received traumatic uh, experiences by going to the hospitals and not being treated very well, or by, I know a lot of folks that have been institutionalized at some point in their mm -hmm. life, or there's just a lot of trauma on going into places to get services right. mm -hmm. and not being treated the way they want mm -hmm. or having an experience where they felt like something happened to them. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, that's there. Mm -hmm. And so breaking down those barriers is really vital to getting people the help they need. Right. The idea of street medicine um, and street, is it psychiatry? Psychiatry, yeah. psychology, whatever it is, yeah. Um, that idea seems kind of like out there and we, we think of it only in like 
the what do you call it like in terms of going to other countries yeah like doctors without borders exactly. when you're like we're putting up a yeah like a FEMA tent in Zimbabwe and we're doing right. surgeries is it likely uh, that we're going to see other countries who um, you know first world countries come to the US to kind of help our homeless situation because we ourselves are not taking care of it that's a really interesting and really sad idea but I feel yeah like that's where I we're mean, at. let's go there yeah, yeah I mean that's that's a reality. Luckily, we have, um, you know, I speak to different people every week who are interested in helping and yeah. using their skills. I was actually at the dentist this morning. This is my problem, too, is I, I can't not talk about it everywhere I go. And, um, <laughs> That's why you're here. <laughs> another, another advocate had put up a post saying that they need dentists to come work at one of their sites, which are also place-based sites, where they bring a service to someone. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I asked my dentist, knowing that he also does these like twice-a-year uh, Skid Row dental days. And so he said, absolutely, send the information to the receptionist, and we'll I'll see what I can do. That's great. He's awesome. But then it keeps going. I had a great conversation with a college student um, who it's a, a really good friend's cousin who wants some help getting an internship here and working in homeless services over mm -hmm. the summer and I asked her what she wanted to do and she originally was thinking her path would be medical school and she wanted to do street medicine. Wow. And I was I was just so blown away by this mm -hmm. bright student who was so self-aware and then thought also about how she didn't want to wait you know eight years of medical school and Thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical debt to do that. So she wanted to come to, back to LA where she's from and have an internship for the summer and kind of get the lay of the land and see what she could do with her skills and knowledge and passion. And That's exciting, yeah. Honestly, it's one of my favorite parts too. I love, so many people know this is one of my like quotes, I love being around people that wanna make things better. Mm -hmm. And when I meet young people, that makes me so happy too. Mm -hmm. I was asked recently to come actually speak at the San Pedro High Peace Club. Mm -hmm. And I talked to them about you know, what's going on in the city and on the very local level around homeless initiatives. And they were just so freaking cool. <laughs> I mean, I can't even say it any other mm -hmm. way. I was so impressed by these young folks and how bright they were and how more articulate and in some ways like grounded and centered on the issues than some of the adults that I speak to that I feel like I have to be like, step one, yeah. step two, like step one, don't be a bad person. Step two. Like, I, I um, don't have any trouble at all believing that just because I'm just seeing so much bad behavior, you know, um, modeled for us by man. some adults in leadership, like not even in our, our lives, maybe even locally, but yeah. like, in you know politics or society you know i yes. just we're just seeing so much bad behavior by adults it's it's just not okay you know and kids yeah. kids seem to have that grasp and that that yeah like they're grounded you know and they kind of like look at everything you know critically yeah but also from a, a humanitarian standpoint. Yeah, I mean, my four-year-old mm -hmm. is like the poster child for this. She is yeah. so articulate for a four-year-old mm -hmm. about these issues, and it's so grounding for me. I mean, so many people know Allegra, my four-year-old's like quotes on homelessness, and yeah. she's constantly like, mama, why don't we just I build them her. houses? And I'm like, I know, girl. Um, recently, she must think about this a lot, and sometimes I wonder if I'm like doing her a disservice uh -huh. because I try to talk to her in an age-appropriate manner about all the things I do. Yeah. And it was a maybe a month or two ago we were driving home at night through downtown, and um, it was just she and I in the car. And you know how uh, downtown they, there's a lot of the office buildings still have lights on at night. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, sometimes you can see people in some of those offices, and I think, oh, girl, it's Friday night. I hope they're not working. And she's like, Mama, maybe they're homeless. <gasps> 
And I was like, oh my God, I don't actually think that's what's going on. But the wow. fact that your mind went there, like it made me for a moment be like, am I a good mom or a bad mom? I actually have no idea. She's always like seeing that. She, I just, well, it's interesting though. You know what's great about that is that she doesn't automatically assume everybody's situation. Yes. And that's pretty awesome. For, that's, I mean, for that's kids. what kids are great for. Yeah. They don't like assume. Adults make a lot of assumptions. No, she's <laughs> the most non judgmental person. You know, yeah. I know I do. I catch myself all we the all time. We all do. Yeah. Well, um, I I want to get into um, our shelter specifically yeah. and what we can kind of expect as a community. What are some changes we're going to see and mm-hmm. what are we going to see less of and more of? Yeah. And all of it. Good, well, bad, the ugly. Yeah, no, absolutely. So when it opens, mm-hmm. so how it works is I think it's 90 days before. We have a service provider, by the way. Mm-hmm. So it's PATH. Okay. People assisting the homeless will be our service provider okay. for this bridge home site in San Pedro. And I'm, I'm a fan of their services, so I'm glad that we'll be getting them down here. I think they're going to be a great service provider. Mm-hmm. They're very thoughtful. Um, and they have experience in you know these types of services which are more temporary as well as permanent supportive housing and some of the more long-term solutions. Mm-hmm. So I, I always really appreci- appreciate service providers that have feet in both sides of that so that they're not just looking at it from a siloed perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're gonna be great. What's gonna happen is about 90 days before the site comes online, they will come down here and do outreach mm-hmm. and get folks signed up to go indoors. We don't do that too much far ahead because we don't wanna tell people, hey, it's coming, right. see you in four months or right. see you in six months. It's, that's just not very ni- nice to be mm-hmm. honest. And so we'll get, we'll quickly fill up that um, it'll be about 100 beds, I mm-hmm. think is what we're going for for now. And then there'll be a slight wait list as well. Mm-hmm. And those folks will then move indoors um, and we will start cycling them, as in you know, they may stay for three months, six months, nine months, and then move on to permanent supportive housing. Which is the goal, right? Which is the it's goal, like either permanent of, supportive housing yeah. or affordable housing, depending on what they need. Mm-hmm. And I think people think, okay, it's 100 beds, but we have you know 500 individuals in San Pedro experiencing homelessness. Well, those 100 beds, they're not gonna stay there hopefully forever. Yeah. And so this site actually has the potential to help all of them. All of them. Right. And I think that's what's really incredible mm-hmm. is absolutely this this is not a, a cure-all but it has the potential to number one house folks get them the wraparound services they need get them stabilized mm-hmm. um, that way they are ready then for housing when housing comes online. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even imagine trying to get clean if you're dealing with substance abuse on the streets. We talked about this last time. We yeah. have sometimes too many glasses of wine yep. at our house. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I know, we yeah. definitely, if you guys haven't listened to the our, our first episode. It's I'm, a good primer on where we're coming from now, yeah. Definitely listen to it um, because we really get into uh, some of the issues and, and actual, you know, situations that people might be dealing with and how they actually may have ended up on the street in the first place. Um, And it's not that different from things that we all deal with. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we we had a really awesome screening here of The Advocates, which is a great documentary about uh, homeless advocacy and some homeless advocates in Los Angeles. We had a Mm -hmm. screening here at the Warner Grand maybe about a, a month ago now. And um, the panel discussion was awesome as well. I was expecting, you know, maybe someone to be bringing something that was a little controversial, but literally it was a room full of people that were all, how do we help? What do we do? What do I do when I see someone later today? What do I do right now? Um, And instead of, the vitriol I get from one side of like, no, no, no. People were almost like, we're not doing this fast enough, Amber. And I'm like, oh, that is what I want to hear, yeah. kids. Um, <laughs> get mad at me. Yeah, you get mad enough. at me about not going fast <laughs> enough. And that that makes me happy. Uh-huh. Um, 
and it was just an amazing conversation. We had several people in the audience who they themselves had either experienced homelessness or are currently experiencing homelessness as well, mm-hmm. as well. And the courage that it took for them to speak up and talk about that mm-hmm. also just completely changed the dynamic of the room because it wasn't like a room of us's talking about them. Yes. It was a group of us, it's just we, yeah. we as a community. We're in it together. We're right. all in this together. Right. Um, and those are the spaces where we are going to solve this mm-hmm. and where we are gonna come to the conclusions and support the solutions in the right way. And so also talking about bridge housing, I wanna make sure we, you know, unless folks have somewhere to go mm-hmm. after that 30, 90, 100 day stretch, whatever they need to do in there, it won't help. We won't get the people off the streets. And right. so I can't say it enough, say yes to supportive housing in your neighborhood, say yes to affordable housing, because those are the two major pipelines that people will need out of bridge mm-hmm. housing. Um, so affordable housing, yes, too. I think we, we spend a lot of time talking about supportive housing, which is great, and mm-hmm. we need more of it, right. and that's what we're paying for through HHH. Mm-hmm. But affordable housing, everyone needs, to yes. be honest. Yes. Um, those aren't just homeless individuals that need that. All We think of a, the great number of folks in our neighborhood, and I think the stat we talked about at the Advocates was one out of eight families in our area are one qualifying event away from homelessness. Yes, and we talked a so, lot about that in our, our episode before. Yeah. I want to get more into that. Um, this is actually a good time for a break, a real quick pause, before we come back and look at that a little bit more and talk about some of the resistance that we're seeing in the community. Yeah. I think we have to talk about it because it's so there. Yeah. (laughs) Call it out. out Say it. Say it like it is. (laughs) Okay. Be right back. This episode is brought to you by Cryptospace, San Pedro's one and only cryptocurrency lounge. Learn more at cryptospaceus.com and definitely follow them on Instagram at cryptospace.us. All right, and now we're back. So Amber, what I really want to talk about, because I feel like we can't ignore it, it's just too out there. It's too out there on social media. If you drive by the um, the space where right. the shelter is going to be, you okay. see these, no shelter here. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't say go home, obviously, because that wouldn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, you just see a lot of resistance toward this shelter and a lot of general hate I want to say you know we use hate a lot as a society and we don't necessarily mean I hate this person because of something personal they did to me it's just a word that we use to catch all the bad negativity (laughs) toward a certain group or people and so I'm seeing a lot of hate on Facebook I'm seeing a lot of hate in the community and personally I'm having a hard time with it (laughs) it's hard and I find myself less and less on social media because of it. Oh, I try. I, I like, know that you probably get personally attacked. Yes, oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I commend you for that, because I feel <laughs> like I'm, you know, the more I talk about this stuff, yeah. I will start to become. Yeah, no, it's you know, coming for you. Yeah, I'll take it. And it's okay, in a way, at first, you know, it would bother me. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I'm like, well, if you're doing something right, Sometimes someone's not gonna like it. Yeah, almost like if you're if you're doing anything worthwhile, yeah. you know, you're gonna cause a lot Absolutely. of problems. So, so bring it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't like when it gets too personal. Right. Like, you know, attack what I stand for, attack my issues, attack my advocacy, but don't attack me as a person. Right. Or I've had some stuff about like the way I look or That's, like what I do for a living or stuff. So and you're, you're like, what? That has nothing to do with anything, yeah. number one. Yeah. Um, but. Besides the fact that you're actually gorgeous, it's really obnoxious <laughs> that people would attack you for that because it's completely irrelevant. It's, it's very, it's just silly, it's silly mm -hmm. but it also shows me the extent to where the, how deep the fear runs in folks. Right. Because so, nobody, nobody says that unless there's something that it's really hurting them, that they think is really hurting them. That's what I want to talk about. Is like, yeah. where do you think it's coming from? What's the deep-rooted issue here that we're getting from the resistance? So I see a lot of, and I don't have a problem with people having a like an actual critique or you know criticizing oh, yeah. maybe the solution and or how we could do it better or how exactly. we could do it differently for our I, community. I Absolutely, I think everybody bringing like actual you know issues to the front is yeah. is a good thing yeah but when it comes to oh, i swear just rallying up and and getting like really passionate against something on facebook but not providing any any concrete reasons why yeah i i'm just you, you know because we can't ignore this issue yeah we can't well and then actually so i also want to acknowledge what you said is there are folks in this community who they and they and I may not see eye to eye on exactly what needs to happen, but I have a lot of respect for them. Right. And I have a lot of respect for what they think may work better for the community right. or how they think um, this could be done better, who could have been communicated better, right. all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, that's part of being in a community. Yeah, and it's, um, and it's awesome that we have a passionate community yeah. that cares and, so much. And when people come to me with fact-based information like, okay, I know what the homeless population looks like, I know that, why aren't we looking at this, or what, why weren't we told about this, or, right. you know, and it's like, yeah, that's great, let's bring those things up, let's make that part of the dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I think I said this on the last episode, I, 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 I'm really sick of talking about, like, if this should happen, like, if we should have these solutions, if we should do this, and I, I'd rather just focus on how we should do this yes, best. if is not the question anymore. Like, it's truly, it never was the question, yeah. either. We're gonna have to do something. Mm -hmm. Because let's let's talk about why, I mean, there's so much to talk about in this episode. Let's talk about why homelessness is becoming an even greater issue yeah. than, I mean, everywhere across the entire country. It is just becoming an increasingly bigger issue. Getting off the freeway anywhere in Los Angeles, yeah. I am seeing like huge encampments. And I don't remember seeing that 10 years ago. No, I didn't see that. Like even five years ago, I didn't see it it's becoming a bigger issue. Yeah. So can we talk about wh why it's not just people making bad decisions and refusing to, you know, adhere to our societal norms and then wanting to live a life of rebellion? Why is that right. not a realistic reason for why yeah. all of these people are homeless? Yeah, no, I mean, I get that narrative. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure there are folks that I've run across and other people have yeah. in, you know, working with hundreds or thousands of individuals experiencing home homelessness where someone's like, you know, this is just, this is what I'm choosing. Yeah, it's like, that I don't being want said, anyone telling me yeah, what to do. I actually know people house that, that speak like that. Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> I, that's, it's just so silly to paint that as like the norm mm -hmm. or the vast majority because it's truly just not. Yeah. And I wish I could, 
umbrella it and, and say like these three pathways are what lead people to homelessness and it's not it's you know 57,000 homeless individuals 57,000 stories 57,000 solutions which I know is why sometimes the fear is the first thing it's, yeah. it's freaking overwhelming yes it is um, and I think what people like just for myself I don't like to see it I don't want to see it because it yeah. really provokes me as a human I want to do something but I don't know what to do you know and so I, I <laughs> yeah. I'm mad at myself. I'm like, it, it just forces me to see something that I can't do anything about. Right. And it's like the stuff you want to just hide in the corner. Of course, of, of course. House, right? Yeah, we have the junk tour too. Uh -huh. um, but truly, so even though all of the, the pathways into experiencing homelessness are complex and people's stories are, we honestly know there are some things that just work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I find hope because in all the time I spend, you know, working with uh, neighborhood groups or, you know, trying to affect policy or just working with homeless individuals themselves on like you, my friend, what do you need today to mm -hmm. get to step B? Yes. Um, it is so overwhelming. Yeah. And, you know, I have a handful of friends that are the first that know that, like, I'm I'm the person that cries in my car after some of these meetings yeah. or after I go on a ride along with LAPD yes. or I go to some of the encampments because I, I do the work because I feel this on a very deep level. Right. And that being said, I'm still completely optimistic and hopeful because mm -hmm. I know that there are things that work. Mm -hmm. If we give people... If we surround them with the services they need and the support they need, and we can give them a person who cares about them mm -hmm. and a place to go receive these services and heal, they will get better. Right. Mm -hmm. And That's our, it. our society, <laughs> I think like our system, would you agree we just haven't been able to give people resources to do that for themselves not at all and that's why people are continuously falling into this category of yeah. homelessness yeah they're falling into these hard times you know yeah and and what's so sad about that is like once you've fallen out of of that that safe net of yes. of being a part of like society i mean you're literally cast out it's Once really off, hard it's, to get back in. Exactly. So it's, it's really like, hard to get back in. I mean, because people, I think there's so many people, I mean, people in our own lives, people in our own community are so close, like you said, to to having to be in that situation. Yeah. They're still within that safety net. Yeah. And therefore, they're not in that situation. But so many people just have that one paycheck missing yeah. or that oh, one. Oh, no, I mean, I said this on the podcast and I've, I've, you know, said it to folks since. I mean, one of the reasons this for me is so personal, not just because I care about it and something I've worked in for, you know, so many years, mm -hmm. but when I was pregnant with my second son, I went through a bout of pretty severe mental illness. Mm -hmm. um, I had persistent panic disorder and I was working down on Skid Row at the time, and it, like I, I've said it so many times, the only difference between me and the women I was working with were my resources. I had them in spades. I had them in, in abundance. Yeah. And I still, it took me six months to crawl out of whatever I was dealing with. Yeah. And unless I would have had those resources, I don't know what would have become of me. I, I literally don't, I don't, I don't yeah. know. And we so, do talk about that in yeah. our first episode. Yeah, we talk about that and that, that drives me. Mm -hmm. And I think for most folks, if you reach down into your personal history and the personal history of those you care about, mm -hmm. you'll see a thread mm -hmm. between something you've dealt with and this possibility. And if you don't, I think it's because you're too afraid to mm -hmm. see it. I think you're too afraid to call it what it is. Mm -hmm. um, but it's tremendous. and and. That being said, even the things that I'm talking about that work, so 
supportive housing for those that still need support services or affordable housing for those that just need a roof over their head that they can afford. Mm -hmm. Just getting into those is really hard. Right. We have, so in one of our local encampments in Lamita, right now out of the, at any given night, 50 to 90 people that are sleeping there, 12 of them have Section 8 vouchers mm -hmm. in their, their hands. They can go get an apartment they just need to find somewhere that will take it. And they go over and over and over again, and people are rejecting these vouchers. So why, why are they rejecting these vouchers? Because landlords don't want them. So there was a stat that came out that over 50% or 50% of the vouchers in LA County expired before they could be used last year. Wow. So folks have the housing vouchers, but we don't have enough housing stock. Right. Or we don't have landlords willing to take them. And this could be a whole other podcast episode, but there's also inequity amongst the vouchers themselves. Mm -hmm. So they come from different entities and some are worth more than others. So landlords are more apt to take the voucher worth high, a higher amount. Yes. So we have folks trying to get a voucher filled for $1,500 when somebody has an $1,800 voucher. And obviously those folks are gonna get precedent. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's all these complex issues, but even just the journey to get that voucher is tremendous. And um, there's a, there's a, I have a very close friend who she herself is experiencing homelessness and um, she has a, a, a litany of, of barriers, I guess you could say, you know, she has struggled with some of the same mental issues I've struggled with, panic disorder and anxiety. Mm -hmm. She um, was abused by her husband. She was then institutionalized by her family. Um, and then, since then, has kind of self-medicated through substance abuse. Mm -hmm. And we finally, me and her team, got her into a motel for, uh, it was a week at first. And we knew there was a, a litany of other things we had to do to get her to the next step. So she, need, she didn't have an ID, she doesn't have a phone, she doesn't have any identification documentation. She just wasn't stable in the most basic way. The first mm -hmm. two nights she slept in the bathtub. Uh, yeah. um, she hadn't slept in a bed in four years. Mm -hmm. It was very foreign. Um, and then after two weeks of moving her around different motels, trying to figure out where we could get money from, the money for that month ran out and she had to go back out on the street after being inside and feeling like she'd started to do these steps. And it's true, she didn't do everything she was supposed to do in that time. She was struggling with a lot of other things as well as getting clean. Mm -hmm. And she said to me one night, uh, we were <laughs> sitting in the bed in her hotel, and she's like, Amber, unless somebody has an Amber or a person that cares about just them, not someone who's working to do it, but somebody who just does it, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, I was feeling kind of down about it, and I told her, like, actually, even with me, it's impossible. I'm sorry, but, like, I can't. Yeah, you didn't. It, I can't do it. Yeah. Like, I haven't done it. Yeah. I haven't, even with mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. it's not I mean, I been see, done. I see, like, the amazing, you know, I saw the potential, and I was really hoping that story didn't end that way. It's <laughs> that literally, I know, I'm sorry. That's how it ends. <sighs> that was really, like, horrible to kind of live that, and then to think, like, she had that hope, she had that bed, she had that comfort, that safety, and then for her to have to go back out and realize For so that many was, reasons, yeah. too, and it's like, what I say so often in this is because I, I really feel, like, blessed and honored and humbled to be at kind of, like, the apex of this issue in our area where I get to do ride-alongs with LAPD or, you know, 
speak to our council member's office about this or talk to our neighborhood councils or talk to our stakeholders or just talk to my kids, friends, parents about this. I feel like I get this really rich, diverse perspective mm -hmm. around everyone trying to work on it or just grapple with it in their own mind. Mm -hmm. And that is like at one, at one, in one way really beautiful and in one point the most frustrating thing I've ever dealt with in my life. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I can say is like, in so many ways, the systems that are working on this, everyone's doing the best they can, but no one's doing it right and no one's doing it wrong. And no one's doing it together and, either. Yeah, and it's it's yeah. a little silo, it's very siloed and we're trying to break down those silos, but it's so complex. And sometimes I wish, I was actually saying this to someone else, like I actually wish sometimes I had a lobotomy and someone could take it away because now that I've seen it and I've seen all the different perspectives as well, I can't unsee it. Right. And now it's made it such a colorful, robust um, experience that I can't get out of it. <laughs> like I literally can't get out of it. You're in it. <laughs> and in one way I feel really, like like I said, honored and, and humbled at like the most basic level of me as a person, but it's also really frustrating and really hard to turn off. Right, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> So please, I'm no like, one else go there. Yeah, like. I'm, like, I'm, living, I'm like, you know, I think I'm getting all of the things that I'm supposed to feel after hearing you say all this, you know, I'm feeling like this sucks, you know? What do you do though? Yeah. And there's lots. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this is what I'm saying. Like, despite all of that, mm -hmm. I know we can do this. Mm -hmm. Like, are we going to solve homelessness altogether? No. But yeah, the large majority, I honestly think we can solve. I think we can do this. I think we have the tools. Right. I think we have the resources. I'm so hopeful. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, just say yes. Yes to housing in your neighborhood. Yeah. Say yes to affordable housing, supportive housing, higher density housing if you have to. Mm -hmm. Los Angeles, to solve this, will not look like it did 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. There's no way out of it. Right. For you and me to live here with our babies right. and for them to live here, LA's not gonna look like it used to look. Right. And I don't want LA to look like it does right now either with 57,000 of us sleeping on the street. So 57,000 so in the county. That just represents the amount LA county. of homeless people. Amount of homeless people in 2018 in, in the county. LA county. The homeless count will come out for, um, so that's the 2017 homeless, no, it's 2018 homeless count. The 2019 homeless count will come out at the end of this month. Okay. So probably by the time the episode airs, yeah. uh, we'll know. And, and we've heard that we don't think it went down. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not surprising to anyone who's driven outside of their street. Right. Um, we, yeah. So, and yes, we've been we've been flooding our city with with money through Measure H and through HHH to build housing. Mm -hmm. And I'm afraid people are going to say, "Oh, that number went up," or none of that HHH housing has been built. But the fact is, it no no don't stop any of it. Mm -hmm. If we stop any of this funding, this will just get worse. Right. So we are putting a dent in it. Every single day, mm -hmm. there are advocates and case managers and amazing organizations putting a dent in it. Now, that dent is, I, th I think, fairly small, mm -hmm. but it will get larger and larger as we have services open up. So people say, you know, it's been three years, we've had HHH trying, you know, at the city level building permanent supportive housing, but we don't have a single unit open. Well, it takes two to three years to build right. something. So those will open soon and then hopefully more things will open and mm -hmm. we'll get more affordable housing online and these bridge ha homes will help literally bridge that pipeline. But right. I can't say it enough to, to say yes, to say yes to things and, and not, so housing, say yes to all the housing you can basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then say yes to all the services too. Um, 
Do you want, you know, a workforce development center to come into your neighborhood? Yes, yes, I want that. Mm -hmm. Do you want, um, for example, Providence San Pedro, mm -hmm. one of the best kept secrets Let's here? Talk about yes, that. yeah, because we mentioned it. You mentioned it <sighs> when we were not recording. Yeah, and I was telling you this. Pulling up the actual name of it. So um, I, I had right. actually heard about this. So we yeah. actually have a really awesome resource here yes. in San Pedro. Can you talk about it for a minute? Yeah. So Providence San Pedro has this beautiful facility. It's a crisis stabilization unit. Mm -hmm. This is a very unique model and I have to say I feel like I can say balls right yeah. that's really ballsy <laughs> that um, uh -huh. um, Providence has brought this online here in San Pedro but they're leading I think with their faith-based mission and they have done that here yeah. so what it is it is a mental health unit that stabilizes folks. Usually mm -hmm. they stay for about 23 hours or less. Some stay for five. Mm -hmm. um, and it is this just lovely zen-like space where people can go and just come down. Right. So it was originally thought of as a way to get folks that are going through a mental health crisis out of the ER. Mm -hmm. Because you know what's the worst place for someone going through a mental health crisis is the ER. And I know actually, because I've dropped someone off more recently at the ER who was going through one, and there's all these people with flu and all these other things around them, and it's it's fast-paced, and it's not, it's meant to triage people and get them to the next step. It's not meant to say, what's going on? Let's help de-escalate you. Yes. And yeah. so, Providence knows that well. They're not, you know, they're not naive, right. and they know that they need to free up that space, and they need to know what they they know what they do best in the ER, mm -hmm. and what they don't do best. No ER does is a mental health de-escalation. Yeah. So they have this unit that someone goes into the ER. They see this is what's happening. They can take them to this unit, mm -hmm. which is close, very close by, and they can just chill. Mm -hmm. They have a psychiatrist there. They have access to therapists. They have access to open space, a place to sleep. They can get showers. They can get many showers. This since is that's, amazing. Yeah, they can get their clothes cleaned. They can have food. Mm -hmm. You just go to the fridge and you get your yogurt out. Like yeah. this is, and it's very open. All of the, you can see what's going on at, at any given time. Mm -hmm. It's just this really great resource. And as it's been coming online, uh, we've been trying to celebrate it more and share it with mental health professionals mm -hmm. or caseworkers or LAPD saying that I don't want to put someone on a, on a hold mm -hmm. where I have to take them to Harbor UCLA for 72 hours and they're just it's just going to get more aggravated. I don't want to do that. Where can I take someone? And this is a voluntary place where you can say, look, I have somewhere... I, I, can I take you there? Yeah. And can you... So for yeah. that woman that I encountered, yes. this kind of would have been a good place for her. It, yes. It, it, it very well could have been. Uh-huh. It very well could have been. Yeah. Um, that's that's the thing is like, I'm like, I have no... I have no... Like many people I'm sure listening, it's like, what do we do? You know, even yes. if we wanted to help this person, it's not realistic to bring them to our no. home, you know, take a, take care of them personally. It's just not realistic. Or even drive them to wherever no. they say they need o to go. Honestly, I, I wouldn't think that's realistic. I wouldn't suggest that for the vast majority of the population. Mm -hmm. I think what you did at the most basic level by looking at her mm -hmm. in the eye and talking to her mm -hmm. and making that contact is essential and then from there there's a 211 okay which yeah. is a mm -hmm. resource or LA hop which is another resource where you as Amanda can enter someone's information and say I, I ran across this person okay. so those are two resources that you you all listening can mm -hmm. do now you can also um, LA hop is it an app it, it, it's a website it's a I website. think okay um, I don't know if they have an app that goes with it mm -hmm. um, so those are two great resources 
Um, you know, obviously we have Harbor Interfaith, which is a local resource, mm -hmm. um, and I th I'm pretty sure that's who it goes to, to be honest, anyway. Yeah. But I would utilize those two, and then just don't be afraid to make eye contact. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're all pretty instinctual animals. If something seems unsafe to you, mm -hmm. don't go there. Yeah. Um, I didn't get that vibe at all. Yeah. You know, I felt like if it did come to like an aggressive yeah. situation, I probably could take her if I had to. <laughs> we all so, assess that. I know, we all um, assess yeah. that as much as like, yeah, we don't want to no, admit and that's, it, but I, I really didn't feel threatened at all. And I felt like all I yeah. needed to do was was help this person, you know? She didn't have any belongings on her. It seemed like the clothes she was wearing was all that she had. Yeah, and I mean, even for me, um, I only go the places where I know people. Like, I don't go to new encampments. Right. Um, and this is just, I think, general street smart. Yeah. Um, I know, I go where I know people or mm -hmm. I go with people I know. Mm -hmm. um, and I am always very wary of that. I, I, I think it's perfectly, possible to be mindful of someone's humanity and still be careful about mm -hmm. yourself. Right. Um, but we have great resources. The problem with all these resources, though, I have to say at the end of the day, we don't have enough housing. Yes. So, so that's really the main issue. literally here. it at the end of the day because, you know, even with LAPD, we talk about, um, you know, why aren't we arresting people living on the streets? Why aren't we reinforcing some of this? Well, it, yeah, but so if they arrest someone here outside of the San Pedro... Uh, City Hall? Uh, the post office oh, here. Oh, the post yeah. office, yeah. That's a, that's we don't have a local jail. That's changing. Mm -hmm. uh, we got to take them down to 77th, all the way downtown, book them. Yeah. There's maybe not room there. Mm -hmm. So they get released within five hours, uh, 24 hours, 48 hours maybe, and they come right back. Now, that whole process of two officers, maybe the only two for that area, having to do that, and that takes, what, three hours, mm -hmm. is a huge depletion of resources, honestly. Mm -hmm. And it's expensive. Mm -hmm. I mean... We talk about this all the time, but it is way more expensive to keep people on the streets and have them cycle through ER, cycle through incarceration, jail, mm -hmm. just justice involvement in mm -hmm. general, um, or some of the very like low-hanging fruit of services, right. rather than just house them mm -hmm. and stabilize them right. and give them everything they need and we as taxpayers pay for it. That is a cost savings to us to yeah. do. So the economic argument is a moot point. I also, you know, for a lot of our business owners, and I have to really commend some of our local business owners, mm -hmm. I've been really, really proud of some of our business owners and the chamber and the way that some of our business leaders are willing to say, this is important, this is a humanitarian issue, but this is an economic development issue. It's bad for business to have people on the streets. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's a very callous thing to say, but it's true at the end of the day as it's well. Mm -hmm. So it's bad for humans, it's bad for us, it's bad for business. Mm -hmm. And we are spending so much time, money, effort, energy into revitalizing this city. And the what, what this is not working for us. Right. So it just makes sense. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, in every single freaking way. Um, so this past month, month of May, uh, was Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes. Yeah. And um, I actually did also uh, have Elise Swanson's episode in there as well. It's coming yeah. out in the later She's part amazing. Of the she is amazing. Yeah. We did talk about that off, you know, like yes. off the podcast, you yes. know, off the record. But we had a, a small conversation about that, and I was really... I was really happy to hear her perspective on it and um, her compassion, you know? Yeah. Um, but back to mental health awareness. So in this past month, I've been doing a lot of research and I've also had Rudy Caceres on. Who is also awesome. Awesome, mental health um, advocate. And then I uh, also had Artemis and Donna and mm -hmm. they have their own um, practice here in 
in San Pedro. And what I have learned so much in the month of May, because it is Mental yes. Health Awareness Month. So, I mean, like, I love that it was Mental Health Awareness Month because I think it does bring a lot of awareness. Yes. And um, what I have learned so much is that there is an otherizing of people who are going through mental health issues. And what I have come out of this month with mm-hmm. with all the conversations that I've had about it is that we all have our mental health that we need to take care of. And like you have said, and I know that I have also experienced, we go through periods of time where we may be mentally ill or having some mental issues. You know what I mean? Of course. Um, I also had like, I think, I don't know if it's postpartum depression, but it could have been. Yeah. I didn't yeah. actually get diagnosed. No, you had something, something. Let's yeah, put it that way. I didn't have to go to work. So nobody yeah. had to see me like bawling all yeah. the time or yeah. losing it all the time or snapping at people. Yeah. Um, what was, what was, yeah, the biggest thing that I've taken away is that it is a spectrum and that people can become mentally unhealthy or unfit, if you will, because of their circumstances, yeah. but they can very easily come back and, and regain their mental health and feel feel whole and feel better with a change of circumstances, yeah. with the care. That's a really and important it, word, circumstances, yeah, too. with the change yeah. of circumstances and with the care and with the, the human connectivity, you know what yeah. I mean? That's yeah. one of the biggest takeaways is like, first of all, loneliness is a huge contributor to mental health. Um, illness or you know mental health issues um, there's just so many things that can can <laughs> result in people losing their home we mm-hmm. talked off yeah offline know. I was saying you know one of the reasons many reasons why this issue has always been so near and dear to my heart is because I feel like it's this it's like the exacerbated end game Uh of so many of society's failings and not to say I I hope that doesn't sound like anyone who's experiencing homelessness has in any way failed or is is a failure of society I'm saying we as a like as a system of society fail people over and over again with with regards to health care mental health care domestic violence um, with education with uh, equity issues on every level just systemic inequity right and this is a byproduct of so many pieces of that. Right. And that's one of the reasons I think you can't not care about it. Right. Because if you care about, I mean, even Garcetti said this at one of his speeches, if you care about women, you care about homelessness. If you care about homelessness, you care about women. If you care about uh, childhood trauma, you care about homelessness. If you care about our failed education system, you care about homelessness. Yeah. If you care about immigration, you care about homelessness. I, it's all interrelated. It is, yeah. And so many people who um, who have just been cast out for whatever reason by either their own family or their work or whatever systems that they has yeah. held their life in place, for whatever reason are being cast out of that and having to fend for themselves without a support system yeah. Yeah. are ending up on, on the street. And it is, I feel like it's a systemic failure. We have failed so many people. Yeah. Because in this society, so much trauma and so much awfulness can happen to a person mm-hmm. and there be no justice for it. And those people who suffer that trauma or who suffer this, you know, this damage in their life are now criminalized. Are now criminalized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are criminalized. And they're um, a lot of them are living on our streets because they do not have the resources yeah. to take care of themselves after well, this trauma or damage. Another thing I want to bring up because I feel so strongly about it is um, also those 
I speak to a lot of folks experiencing homelessness that I really want to say also aren't um, lacking in their own, like they know what to do if given like the resources. And I'm, they, it's almost like we're not their saviors either. You're right. They get it. Yeah. And we, I take that very seriously. Yeah. Like I, I am not their savior. I'm not like some big kid coming in mm -hmm. to save them. They know what they need. Mm -hmm. And if I speak to a lot of the folks experiencing homelessness, they have better ideas about what needs to change systemically to really address this than I do. Yeah, because they've lived through it and they've yes. experienced it. And they've experienced the downfalls of and the yes. holes in the system that they fell through. Yes. Right. And so I also think there's a lot that needs to be said for helping folks empower themselves and helping populations empower themselves. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like the pipeline on the way to homelessness as well, when we're just talking about poverty issues right. and how complex poverty is in this, this country. Yeah. Also remembering that we as outsiders, if we are thinking of it that way, or, or we as uh, you know charitable organizations, or we as nonprofits, or we as voters, we're not going to save them. What we're trying to do is give them a system where they will thrive. Right. Um, I don't know if any of that was articulate, no, but it's something I feel very strongly about. I completely understand what you're saying, um, and and it kind of it's kind of like. I in no way am equating like my own personal situation to anything remotely yeah. close to what they're experiencing, but it's kind of like when I know what I need to do yes. to get my get to that next level of my career. Yes. Of, for example, this podcast, my my mm -hmm. small business. I know what you need to do. I know <laughs> yeah, what yeah. I need to do. And when I get all these like suggestions and yeah. like advice from people, I'm kind of like, yeah, I know, but it's like in my own head, I'm like, yeah, but I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? I'm not there yet. Or given the time, resources, exactly. space, capacity, exactly. if somebody gave you what you needed, you could probably, if somebody yeah. was like, here, let me give you this space to do it in, yes. or this time where you don't have to work yes. and you can do this, That's and let me give you this childcare, yes. and let me make you some dinner. Oh and my God, like, <laughs> yes. I'm going to cry because yeah. everything you just said is like, exactly. But, because Yeah, and though that's what supportive services are. Exactly. It's, it's like, I already know what I have to do, but it's like, how much am yes. I willing to sacrifice to make it happen? Because yes. one, I need the income, but also I need time with my family to be mentally okay. Yeah. I also need to prepare healthy meals so that I can be in a good totally. you know, physical state of mind. Um, but also, like, it's just so many things where I know what I need to do to get there, but it's like, I don't, I can't do it all right yeah. now. You know what I mean? And for some of the folks, too, that I, I see and speak to, they have that idea, but they need to unlock something first, and it's almost like they need to feel worth it. I think having that, it takes me back to your friend who was in the hotel um, yeah. or in the motel having that space and that time to just rest and be at peace and be in a safe space and yeah. this is why it's heartbreaking that it was it was it I didn't know. last long I but i think that even if people were given that time that time of safety um and a place where they could breathe for a moment and not have to worry about where their next meal is coming from not have to worry about where they're going to go next or if somebody's going to come assault them in the middle of the night right or just like yeah. I, I mean yeah. even just a you know what do you call it when they they clean up they kind of like move everybody the sweeps yeah the sweeps so like the yeah. homeless sweeps that has to be terrifying it's, it's very traumatic yeah i mean i i know why we have to do it from a public health perspective right. and it's not like I, like I said, no one's doing it right, no one's doing it wrong, and it's, it's too complex. Exactly. But at the same time, I see what folks go through during the sweeps, and it's so traumatic. For me, like when I see that, um, I'm like, that has to be traumatic. It, it's just, 
when you don't have to worry about that and you have a moment to be safe, I can't imagine just that alone can get you to that next step, you know? So I think this was a very good conversation. I think it was necessary. Once again, I like, like like last time I was like, did that even mean anything? Like I I went back and listened to the podcast and luckily there were like themes and I was like, oh, look, we said things. But at the end of the conversation, I was like, did we accomplish anything? I don't know. But I do want people to feel optimistic and hopeful because yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's a conversation that needs to be had. I think there needs to be some type of dialogue. I think we need to address, you know, that that there the problem is growing, but solutions are, are coming about. Yes, and solutions, solutions are, are coming, coming online mm-hmm. as the problem is growing. Yeah. And we just need to keep saying yes and be, be creative about yeah. it too. Yeah. And honestly, our first our first episode, like I said, it really helped me make that mental shift. So if anything, maybe we're doing that for some listeners to help make that mental shift. Um, maybe we can get a few more people into that crisis center, you know, with Providence. Yeah. That would be amazing. Um, because what I'm realizing with all the mental health awareness and what I'm realizing now is just that it's not just us or them. It's not, I hate the, I hate the word vagrant, but that's the Gosh, word that I, I hate that. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and and one you. of our, one of our guests said it and I was like, yeah, some people don't like that word. And he came from a really good place. No, no, totally. He came from a good place about it. And I got what he was saying. It was, you know, the people who terrorize, you know, businesses or steal or do things like that. But at the same time, it's, I, I feel like we've created a system where if you're in these circumstances for long enough, we create these these issues, you know? Yeah. Um, anyways, it's not just us or them. We are a community. We're all in it together. And um, I think that's the theme that we really need to set in. Um, I want to call out some of the bad behavior online, you yeah. know, just trash talking um, without offering any sort of solution. It's just... It's not pointless. helping anyone, guys. Yeah, it's pointless. <laughs> but no, like you said, we're going to do it together. Right. And the folks that have stood up and said that they support solutions, mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I'm so in love with this place because of so many amazing yeah. people who have really stuck their neck out for this yeah. and, and for folks and for the right thing. And mm-hmm. I, I just think it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad to have you back on the show. Um, before we go and... Uh, for the people listening out there, what are some resources locally mm-hmm. that we can? First, you mentioned two one one. Two one one. L A Hop. Uh huh. Um, those are the kind of the two easiest ones that will then filter someone to where they need to go. But of course, we have, you know, great organizations locally for domestic violence. We have Rainbow Services. We have yes. Harbor Interfaith. Mm-hmm. Soon, the Bridge Housing um, site will come online, and we'll have people assisting the homeless here. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, listening in from Wilmington or Harbor City or Watts or any other other neighborhoods, we we have spaces there too. But Harbor Interfaith is actually the kind of the regional provider that then. F- filters out to the other providers. So that's always a really great central resource. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have you know, our faith-based communities too that I've been really proud of. And mm-hmm. if your church, mosque, synagogue isn't doing something, ask them why and ask them how to get involved. And if they are, go join them. That's actually maybe a topic for a future episode because I really wanna see what um, our religious houses are doing. I mean, to solve I, this. Pastor Lisa here at First United Methodist is is in with both feet and I've actually seen her a lot in she's this amazing online yeah I've seen so, her a lot I've seen her doing really you should awesome get her things. I would love to yeah she is a yeah. she's a force 
I do want to ask what religious houses are doing. That might be an yeah. for another episode because yeah. there's a lot of, I mean, let's just get real. Like, it's about love, right? What's going on? It is on? <laughs> literally at the end of the day, and I say, yeah, it's about housing, but truly it's about humanity and dignity and love. Yes, yeah. That's that's all it's about. Mm -hmm. So get on board. I'll have to plan another episode for that because I'm going to get into it. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Amber, thank for you joining so much. me today. Thanks for making this space in this community. Uh, thank you. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't just make it all. Yeah. Sunshine and rainbows. We really need to talk about some things that are affecting us, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm really glad for guests like you who provide the information, um, people who are doing amazing work within our community. So thank you, Amber, for what you do. And thank you for being on the show. And I know this isn't the last time. <laughs> See you again. See you later. <laughs> like maybe every three months. Yeah, right. get updates. I love it. <laughs> All right, guys. Okay. Have a good one. Thank you. If you're still listening, thank you so much for sticking around to the very end. Um, be sure to check out the links in the show notes because there are some very relevant links. I linked up the Daily Breeze article that we talked about in the beginning. Also, um, some of the links that she shared with us, some resources for people experiencing homelessness. Um, if you guys like the episode, please be sure to give it a rating in the um, podcast app, wherever you're listening. And if you have a little bit more time, I would love to get a review from you. Thanks again for listening. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend.